Hello, and welcome to the Heavenbound Podcast. My name is Jason Harden. I'm here with Roger Schaus, and we are opening the Bible in search of fuel for your spiritual journey. This is where we talk about life the way it was meant to be and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us on the journey. We are in our church family, and we have many who follow along from a distance. We are reading in our daily Bible reading schedule right now the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. And for many, this is a book that gets really cloudy, really obscured, really quickly. But what we want to do over the course of the next four Fridays is look into how the book of Revelation actually makes certain things really, really clear. Yeah, we did a series uh, on our podcast back in the fall of 2020 when we kind of went through the book of Revelation in a little more detail. Uh, that was called Taking a Look at the Last Book. It's there on our website. We encourage you, if you want to go back and connect with this, this is going a little bit different direction. This is more like the 32,000-foot view, and we're not so much looking at what happens in every chapter, but some major themes. And that helps you to get what this book's all about. It is a difficult book. It's a book that a lot of people are afraid to read, and it's a book that a lot of people think is uh, still to come, most of it. And they, they have some misunderstandings about this. But what we're going to do this month, hopefully, will put some of this in perspective and help you to get a better appreciation for this powerful book of God. Roger, I'm sure you, like me, have heard stories of congregations that will study their Bibles from Matthew to Jude, and when they get to the end of Jude, we'll go right back to to the Gospel of Matthew, as if there isn't a 66th book of the Bible. And our daily Bible reading schedule for the last several years has not been shy about keeping this last book of the Bible in a rotation. But I've been encouraged, I'm sure like you have, to get different questions here and there from members of our church family. We are always excited when we hear about people reading right along with us. And so we figured being right here in the heart of that last book of the Bible, next couple of Fridays, let's look at some things Revelation actually helps us to see clearly. Today we want to talk about how there is more to Jesus than what we see in the Gospels. Lord willing, next Friday, we'll talk about how the view from heaven is different from the view from earth. Uh, chapter or uh, Friday number three, we'll talk about how saints of all ages must endure and stay committed to Jesus. And then that last Friday of August, we can see how the story ends. Let's start in Revelation chapter 1, if you're following along with the Bible. This idea, there's more to Jesus than what we see in the gospel. Seeing is a big deal in the book of Revelation. We'll notice that over the course of the next several Fridays. Roger, I know one of your favorite verses comes from the very end of Revelation, this promise that those who are in Christ, those who are reconciled to God and led all the way home, they will see his face. We know that this is a very visual book, a very 
colorful, vivid book, and it starts, of course, right here in chapter 1. John is the one who is writing. There is a voice that he hears behind him in Revelation chapter 1, and in verse 12, John writes in very personal terms, Revelation 1, 12, I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire, his feet like burnished bronze refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, John says, I fell at his feet as though dead. Roger, this is not the picture of Jesus that we see in the Gospels. Why is that, do you think? Well, you know, first of all, we have to appreciate that this is the Apostle John. And so for three years, he was with Jesus. He was with Jesus at the Transfiguration. He saw the miracles. He heard the sermons. Uh, All through the life of Jesus, there is John. And he had never seen Jesus with white hair. He had never seen Jesus with a voice that sounded like many waters, or his eyes looked like a flame of fire. I mean, this is this is a form of Jesus he's never witnessed. And we remember that John even saw Jesus after he was resurrected and saw him ascend up into heaven. Now he's seeing Jesus in, in a totally different way. And what's going to come out as we look at the book of Revelation is Jesus is the king of kings, and Jesus is ultimately in charge. And as this book is going to bring an end to the powerful Roman Empire, and even the reign of Satan, we're going to see that Jesus is taking on that role. He's going to become the role of the lion, basically. In chapter 5 of the book Revelation, in verse 5, it describes Jesus as the lion who's from the tribe of Judah. And so, you know, in the Gospels, you know, we hear Jesus say, turn the cheek when you're slapped. We hear Jesus being silent before his accusers. We see Jesus being meek and mild. And and in some ways, it seems like he's a pushover, even though he wasn't. And in some ways, people were saying anything they want to him, and he wasn't really responding. Now, as we come to the end of this story, we're going to see Jesus being the the strong son of God that he is. And and so so this is a different form, and, and this is totally different than what uh, John has seen in the Gospels, not only in the appearance of Jesus, but in the way that he's going to be acting. And and again, this is going to be manifested throughout all these chapters here. You referenced Revelation chapter 5, and that is such a key section of this entire unveiling in the last book of the Bible. I think that's, first of all, really important for us to see. 
many of us have the idea perhaps that, okay, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I can kind of see clearly there. I can see history in the book of Acts. I, even though there are some things that are challenging in some of the letters of the New Testament, there are lots of things I can see, but it's almost like the last book of the Bible is shrouded in mystery when in fact, It is described as an unveiling, right? A revelation. There are things that we are intended to see clearly. And right at the heart of it all is Revelation 4, Revelation 5. There is this great throne in heaven. John is given a glimpse of it, invited to come up and see what is there in heaven. He describes in incredible detail, Revelation chapter 4, this throne room scene, and then in Revelation 5, the key character, other than the one, of course, seated on the throne, is described in a couple of different ways. One of them is the lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Roger, when you hear that phrase, what comes to your mind? Well, you, you see someone's full of courage and strength and power. You know, if you you and I were walking down the road and a lion jumped out, boy, we'd be scared. Uh, what would we do? If we were walking down the street, instead of walking a dog, we were walking a lion. How how courageous that would make <laughs> us feel. I mean, what, what, you wouldn't be afraid of anybody. Just let go of my lion and he'll go take care of the things. And so Jesus being the lion here, you know, that phrase we use of the king of the jungle, uh, all animals fear that lion. He he's the one who's in charge. He's the ultimate authority. He's he's God. And now he he's going to reckon all the things that are wrong here. And throughout this book, and this, this is really one of the major themes of this book, is the people of God are being punished. They're being persecuted by their faith. And in the sixth chapter, as Jesus described as a lamb, starts opening up this book, book that was sealed that no one could open but Jesus. It says in verse 9, when the lamb broke the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain because of the word of God, because of the testimony which they had maintained. And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, will you refrain from judging and avenging our blood on those who dwell on the earth? And in the following verse, he he tells them, I'll, I'll give you a white robe. You've got to wait just a little bit longer, but then it's going to be done. And so what, what we see in Jesus here, we see Jesus is the one who's avenging the blood of the righteous. We see in Jesus who's bringing about justice. And so it, it's an image of Jesus we don't see. And it shows, once again, how powerful and strong and, and righteous that Jesus is through these things. I appreciate how, okay, we've we've talked about the lion, we've talked about the lamb. Hopefully this is beginning to get... Um, a sense for us that this is a vision, right? We're not looking at a literal lamb, obviously, a literal lion. This is a word picture. This is a 
I, I love describing Revelation as this kind of heaven-drawn mural where if you've ever been to a museum, you, you start at the left side of this long mural that just stretches maybe all the way around a room. And as you walk from left to right, you are seeing different scenes, right, of this mural. And so that is the way we ought to think of Jesus here. He's described in a variety of different ways. The lion, this symbol of royal strength, right? But a lion of the tribe of Judah. That takes us all the way back to the very first book of the Bible. Jesus is the fulfillment of what God began to unfold from the very beginning. Roger, you referenced the idea of the lamb. That ought to take us to the very beginning of John's gospel, right? John chapter 1, verse 29, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We're not talking about a literal lamb there, right? But Jesus is as the sacrifice for our sins. We hear him referred to as the root of David in Revelation chapter 5. He's not just the fruit that came from David's line. He's the one that made it all possible, right? He is this royal figure that now we are seeing enthroned and reigning in Revelation. Clearly, there's more to Jesus than what we see in the Gospels. Roger, what else do you see in Revelation? Well, you know, you, you use the analogy of a mural. I, I like the analogy of a picture book. I've got a okay. lot of grandkids, and they love to be uh, have books read to them. And in the picture book, uh, it's more picture than words, maybe one sentence, but there's yeah. all these pictures. But as it unfolds, it tells a story. And so through Revelation here, God is, is showing us these things through words. <clears throat> he doesn't paint a picture, but the picture is painted in our mind. And, and that's what we see. But, but a second image of Jesus we see through, through these words here and through this picture is he's a triumph victor. And he's triumphant in the cause that he came about. You know, you know as, as the gospel's in, we have the resurrected Jesus. It takes us to the book of Acts where we see him ascending to heaven. And then as we go through the book of Acts, we see his church beginning and expanding and exploding. But at the same time, we find right on the heels of the apostles are persecutors. And we see that particularly in the life of Paul, that he's just abused and persecuted and chased. And we get these little pictures all through the New Testament. There's Stephen, there's Antipas, there's others who are killed for their faith. And we begin to wonder, How's this going to come about? Who's going to win? And Jesus is shown as this triumphant victor. In chapter 19, notice the language here. It says, and I saw. And that's a common phrase in this book. This is a picture book. God's shown us a vision here. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it is called faithful and true and is righteous. And he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire. Taking us back to chapter 1 once again. On his head are many diadems or crowns. He has a name written on which no one knows except himself. He's clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. That takes us to John chapter 1. 
heaven. The armies which are in heaven are clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth come a sharp sword, so that with it he may strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads upon the winepresses of the fierce wrath of God the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name which is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The image of the triumphant God, the image of Jesus is going to come about and fulfill the mission that God's people will be triumphant through all these things. And so, so that again, that's a picture of Jesus that we don't see in the gospels. And this is a picture of Jesus that he's confident. He's leading the armies of God. Again, figurative language here, but leading the armies of God against the forces of evil. And who's going to win? We're going to know this, this as we go throughout this series. This series is going to show that Jesus wins through all of these things. Roger, I've heard you say, I've said, others have said, you know, there are many who are really interested in the Jesus of the manger, right? First few chapters of Matthew and Luke, we like the idea of baby Jesus. You even used the phrase earlier, meek and mild from the Gospels. What are we missing out on, do you think, if we only look at Jesus in those terms and not the Revelation 19 sort of terms? Well, I've got a little baby in my family. He's one of my grandchildren, and he uh, he can't talk. He's too little. <laughs> he can't command. He's too little. Uh, he, he needs to be weighed upon. Always cute as a button. No question about that. Love to be held. No question about that. But but that that little baby has no authority. That little baby is just is dependent upon us, and that's how a lot of people want Jesus. I want a Jesus that lets me do what I want to do. I want a Jesus that has no rules. I want a Jesus that lets me come and go as I please. I want a Jesus that is just going to be nice to my lifestyle. I want a Jesus that's cute. And what they see in the Book of Revelation is that the words of Jesus matter. And what they see in the Revelation, Jesus has all authority. And what they see in Revelation is that this baby grew up, and this baby is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we must bow ourselves to him or else we'll have to deal with him. You know, one of the words that you read earlier from Revelation 19 is wrath. And we don't often equate a baby with wrath, right? But we get the picture right there in Revelation 19 and verse 15. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, the Almighty. Now, I think you did a good job setting the table for us from the beginning of the episode. Wrath of God was good news for the saints when it came to the oppressive Roman Empire, right? The wrath of God is good news when we recognize that sin is serious and Satan is indeed the adversary of our souls. We will hear, especially over the course of the next couple of Fridays, the saints of God now on the other side of death calling out for God to avenge them uh, in, in light of what the Roman Empire had done. We will see the the ultimate end of Satan if we only leave the baby Jesus there in the manger. We are missing a major dimension of God's holiness and a major dimension of how this 
story ultimately ends. And if we keep Jesus as a baby, we're really on our own. Yeah. Uh, we're helpless, and, and that baby can't do things. And so, and so we need a total picture of Jesus. You know, it, it's easy to get the lopsided view. Um, some people like God of the New Testament, but they don't like God of the Old Testament. Well, God hasn't changed. God is the same. And, you know, this, this is not a cafeteria where I get to pick out the view I want or I get to Jesus that I want. It, this is who he is, and this is how he's revealing himself. And so as he showed Peter, James, and John at the transfiguration, this is who I am, God is showing us this is who he is through the Bible. And so to understand Jesus is to understand the revelation Jesus and to understand that everything he said had a purpose and had a meaning, and we cannot ignore him. We cannot uh, change the ways that he said, and if we do, then we're going to see a side of Jesus that we don't like, and that's that's what kind of comes out through these things. Yes. Any other glimpses of Jesus in this last book of the Bible that stand out to you? Well, of course, as, as this book ends, and, and this, is a, this is a parallel to the Gospels. It's not really a different view of Jesus, but that's the Jesus of hope. And, you know, as, as the book ends in chapter 22, verse 17, spirit and the bride say come, let those who hear say come. And then as he wraps this up, he who testifies to these things says, yes, I'm coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. And the reason why they wanted him to come was because he was the hope. He was the help that they needed. And that, that is what we see in the Gospels. When, when there was people who were dying, they came to Jesus. When people who were uh, oppressed with leprosy, they came to Jesus. When they were demon-possessed, they came to Jesus. When no one else could do anything, they came to Jesus. And so Jesus is our hope. He is our help. And that, that, that is a running theme through the Bible. For those who follow Jesus, how comforting that is. What a reassurance that is. For those who are on the other side of Jesus, those who are opposing Jesus, what a scary thought that is, that I have no help, I have no hope, because I don't have God. There is more to Jesus than what we see in the Gospels. If you're reading along with us in Revelation, or maybe the next time you run across this book, we hope the big idea from this first episode is look for Jesus. After all, the entire book begins with these words, the revelation of Jesus Christ. John sends greetings from the very beginning, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ. He is described as the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth. Behold, verse 7 tells us, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him. As you're reading this book, Look for Jesus. Look at what the last book of the Bible tells us about Jesus. There's more to him than what we see in the Gospels. Roger, any closing thoughts? It's just uh, 
what a powerful, powerful book this is, and what a what an encouraging book this is. Don't don't enter this book with fear. Don't don't enter it with the understanding that I'll never figure this out, or this is the most. I've heard this all my life. This is the most difficult book of the Bible. I don't believe that. I think it's one of the most encouraging books. When you're walking with God, what great hope and help that there is in Jesus Christ. Lord willing, next Friday we'll look at another big picture idea: the view from heaven is different from the view on earth. But we hope this little exercise has given you a little bit of perspective, maybe a little encouragement to keep diving in to this last book of the Bible. We need it. It's there for our encouragement, our learning. Roger, as you mentioned, our hope. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening to the Heaven Bound Podcast. We hope it's helped you set your mind on things above and even today given you a little more fuel for the journey. Always remember, when you're walking with this Jesus, you're heaven bound and the best is yet to come. <music>